This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. At this point, I want to welcome a gentleman that uh, I have been watching on television for literally decades and who I must say, I have gone from being sort of a fan of, you know, a, a, from a distance to really an incredible admirer of because not only does he just get great ratings on television, he gets great ratings on television, uh, on radio. He is one of the most phenomenal live speakers I've ever seen in person, but he has written best selling book after best selling book. And after finally getting my hands on his latest book, Teddy and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blazed a Path for Racial Equality, I am just so incredibly impressed as I never cease to be amazed by the one and only Brian Kilmeade, who's kind enough to join us each week. Brian, congratulations on uh, us being only a few days removed from the publication date of your new book. Hey, thanks so much, Frank. I, I, I personally... Got the padded envelope and sent one over to you. Did you were you able to get it? I, I did. You know, I have the one that you signed for me in Atlantic City, the book plate, uh, which I do like the inscription there a bit more, where you wrote <laughs> "Better than Sid." However, this is very nice too, where you write "To Frank, you are awesome." Uh, thanks for all your support, which I appreciate. But it's not quite as not quite as juicy as the as the prior inscription but it's it's a great book nonetheless in all seriousness and uh, when I, I want to ask you a great deal about that in uh, a minute let me pick your brain on one or two quick items in the news the the republican primary for president is still going on and now there are increasing calls to consolidate around one non-Trump candidate, and most people suggest that that should be Nikki Haley. The DeSantis folks point to polling that shows that if their guy drops out, that uh, a lot of their candidates' second choice would be Donald Trump. So it wouldn't necessarily help Nikki Haley. They're trying to avoid a repeat of 2016 where all these folks stayed in and uh, they divided the anti-Trump vote. You think they're going to be successful in consolidating, Brian? Well, I, I think they, they are shedding some people naturally. I mean, Mike Pence, I, w- I was actually watching that on Saturday when he said, now's not my time, I'm out. They thought he would stick around because he, repre- he represented Trump, uh, but on the other side of January 6th, that was the reason he jumped in, gone, never got out, really off 3 4%. I, th- I think that Santos and Nikki Haley are both, I mean, really talented. I think they'd be one and two if Trump wasn't in. And I think that their goal, uh, their goal is to win, obviously, but they they're hoping that these trials trip him up, get him in a place where they put him on house arrest. Uh, He gummed up in trial, able to campaign. It becomes a 12 hour days in which he's got to sit there. Um, It does not look like the document case is going to go off before the election. The more experts I talk to that don't uh, you know, who are just legal experts and not politicians say, I don't see that going. Uh, but Georgia is ready to go. Uh, the Alvin Bragg case is a joke here in New York. So I don't even think that goes to trial. I think it began the push to get Trump the nomination because people realized, man, this guy is being targeted. So 
Uh, we'll see the January 6th if that moves forward. And then you got uh, the the Georgia situation, and that's what I think the hope is, Frank. Right. Uh, I think Nikki Haley, the issues are coming to her. She's got a lot of respect in the middle with these Middle East allies. She understands the issues. She understands that Russia is an issue and the dangers of China, and she's got it on her resume, not just a South Carolina governor who's got an aptitude for it. Plus, her husband's in the military, deployed in Africa right now. So she's got a lot of credit. A mom. Got a lot of credibility. Also with the Trump people, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But no, I have not seen a poll where anyone's within twenty-five points in right. any state of Donald Trump. Now uh, let's talk about the other side of the ledger. You have uh, Minnesota Democratic Congressman Dean Phillips officially announcing his candidacy against Joe Biden. He seems to be sort of banking it all on New Hampshire, which is interesting because Biden's name is not on the ballot. They could vote for him as a write-in. The practical matter, the effect of this is almost nil because even if Phillips somehow manages to win, then he still don't get any delegates because New Hampshire is sort of just Jumping the DNC process, but it, I guess it's kind of going to be up to the media how they want to spin a Phillips win in New Hampshire, or even if it's just a, a Phillips strong showing in New Hampshire when there are no delegates at stake. How do you see that playing out from both a political and a media perspective, Brian? You know, it's so interesting. Remember, Pat Buchanan did some damage to uh, President Bush, right. non traditional. Yeah, in 1992. Today's his birthday, actually. Yeah, Bernie Sanders does some damage to Hillary Clinton, non-traditional candidate. Now the non-traditional candidate is a moderate <laughs> who is a self-made multimillionaire. And they say, wow, where did he come from? He's a normal human being, it seems. He does not think the whole economy should be turned on its head for green energy. He does not think Afghanistan, the way we left, was a good idea. He actually has an idea at the border uh, where we can be liberal in letting people in, but we have to uh, secure it. So he he sounds like a normal politician, like a Bill Clinton-esque type politician, center-left. And now that's abnormal. And what about the fact, Frank, this really stuck out with me, that they went after him on race because he wanted to start in New Hampshire. James Clyburn, well, that's kind of bad. You're going to start in New Hampshire. Why? Because there's white people there. And they said, <laughs> that's what's wrong with our party. We, we always are looking to vilify people. And they say, how dare you talk to James Clyburn like that? Oh, I'm, I'm watching this terrible civil war. It's the worst domestic dispute I've ever seen. And don't don't you can't even soft pedal Frank. What else is going on? And that is what we're looking at with Israeli support and the squad totally fracturing from the rest of the party critical of Joe Biden. That make you would think it's coming from the right, but it's coming from his left. And now you have people in the House trying to fight Josh Krotheimer. Uh, physically fight him because he vilified them for not condemning the Hamas. He wanted to put a re- voted for a resolution to condemn the uh, the brutal attacks of Hamas on Israelis. And there was a group that, of nine that said, "No, I don't think so. I don't think that was a big deal. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take a side." So Josh Kottheimer, uh, Kottheimer uh, of New Jersey calls out this congressman from Indiana. He's like, "Okay, I'll fight him. He's a punk." So just one week. After the Republicans dominated with their civil war, the Democrats are fighting right in front uh, front of everybody, too. It's certainly true. Last question on the presidential race is one of the things that we're seeing in Democratic circles, I think for some of the reasons that you're citing, is some Muslim groups and especially Muslim activist groups 
are not comfortable voting for Joe Biden because of what he's doing with respect to the Middle East. Certainly doesn't look like they're going to go in a Trumpian direction, but maybe some of them stay home. Maybe some of them vote for a third-party candidate like Cornell West. In states like Michigan, I wouldn't be uh, taking any of those leads for granted if the Muslim activist groups follow through on their threats to abandon Biden. You think that'll be the case a year from now, Brian? You know, it's interesting. They'll, uh, you're right, Frank. I don't think they're necessarily going to run to Trump unless he goes out and tries to court them, over, especially over in Michigan. So I think there's a possibility of that. But it's amazing to me that he did the right thing, coming out strongly for Israel. I don't think the visit was necessary, especially when, those, when Jordan and Egypt and the Palestinian Authority all cancel with him. But now he's already backpedaling, trying to get these, these Muslim groups back by now saying, putting a commission together to fight Islamophobia, and now calling for a uh, humanitarian pause. So even when he does something, in my view, and a lot of our listeners' views, that's right, principled, he panics and walks it back. I'll back Ukraine, but I just won't give them all the weapons they need because I don't want to really provoke Russia, but I do want to back Ukraine. He always goes halfway in, on everything. So he's seeing what you're seeing. Uh, bleeding of Muslim support. But why don't you stand up for the right thing? And why don't you just address it? I support you guys. I just can't support Hezbollah, Hamas, and um, uh, what Iran's doing in the Middle East. But if you could see, and I'd say, listen, could an anti-Muslim uh, go out there and uh, try to make deals for normalization of, of relations with Saudi Arabia and Israel? Could uh, ex- could I could they go out there and have great relations with uh King Abdullah of Jordan, and just point out things you're doing instead of reversing your policy out of panic. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Uh, Let me talk to you about this book, uh, Teddy and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blazed a Path for Racial Equality. And people are going to have a chance to uh, see you in Red Red Bank, New Jersey, talking about this in person, which I really do recommend. Uh, They can get tickets at uh, briankilmead.com. That's uh, briankilmead.com. What made you want to write this book, Brian? You focused on a lot of different aspects of American history before. Obviously, uh, Andrew Jackson, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and Frederick Douglass. Why this story? Why Teddy Roosevelt and Booker T. Washington? Well, I'm kind of moving up in time. You know, I, when I did George Washington's Secret Six, I looked at that for about 20 years. I just thought it would be a great movie. They had urged to see if you can put a book together. I said I would if I got new information. So I really pursued it like a like a story, like a, like journalistically. And there were so many people and resources. I put it together. It went well. And then I realized how much I liked it. And I love the people, the stuff that everyone hates, the research that people farm out uh, when they get successful. I like to do it. And so every two years. I tried to put together a different project, and I got to the point in American history when we got to the Civil War and, and afterwards 
uh, with the failure of Reconstruction and separate but equal and the uh, rise of Jim Crow laws and everything that we look back in our history when we're not proud of in certain states. So I said, well, why am I avoiding that? Well, why don't I prove that I know America is not perfect, but why don't I, why don't I chart the progress? And rather than do it through my voice, why not do it through the people that led us through this dark time? where the promise of the post-Civil War died when, when Lincoln got that bullet in his head. And Frederick Douglass was left to a team with, with Ulysses S. Grant to a degree, but we had to deal with Andrew Johnson. And what I learned about before getting into Douglass was read up from slavery with Booker T. Washington's story. And all I could tell you is that if everybody has things against them in life, whether you lost a parent, whether you have terrible parents, you have no parents, can you imagine being born a slave? Never having uh, pants. You had one outfit. It was a gown and maybe no shoes. And you had the same meal every single day. All your mom wanted was freedom and worried about their health and welfare and your kid being sold off. Next thing you know, you get called to the to the central house. A union soldier's there and reads the Emancipation Proclamation and says, everybody here is free. And he brings us from that. And to see what he became, one of the most respected people, not only in America, but around the country, how he had to wedge himself in just to learn what numbers were and what letters were. And then he ends up running one of the most prestigious universities, historically black colleges at Tuskegee, that started with a leaky shack and ended up this sprawling campus of 1,500 more than were at Harvard at the time. And they were taught not only to read and write, but how to hold yourself, how to have ethics, and everybody had to learn a trade. I wish I could do anything with my hands. And when I started reading that and reading about Booker T, I see Teddy Roosevelt all over his story and how much they looked up to each other and how much they worked together. A guy in the North born with money, lucky to survive childhood because of vicious asthma, who everyone thought was going blind because his eyesight was so bad who ends up being one of the most significant presidents in our history, whose mom was born in the South, understood the South, and knew he had to team with someone to give him credibility there. And he picks this black guy who could not have been more impressive, a fantastic speaker, who only wanted, not for him to be famous, for African Americans to get a foothold in this country through education. And just to see how they came together, I mean, some things Teddy Roosevelt said would curl your hair. He definitely was a man of his times. But I thought that America needs to see this relationship because we hear too much about George Floyd and Al Sharpton. Mm -hmm. And we should hear about two people that just wanted to make the country better and they weren't looking to make themselves more famous. So I thought if I tell that story, you'll realize, yeah, America's not perfect, but what makes us great is that we try to be. And we have great people at the right time that step up. I've been really enjoying it, and if uh, people have not heard you speak in person, uh, this really, I think, is, of all the things you do, the most impressive. Uh, they could see you November wow. 9th Thank in you. Red Bank, New Jersey. You can get tickets at com. We have a lot of listeners in Florida as well. They could see you November 10th, 11th, and 12th in Florida. Again, just go to com and, uh, and check that out. I uh, have a lot of other questions for you about this book that I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing because, you know, I'm a, a Teddy Roosevelt uh, fiend. I have a whole section in my bookshelf of, uh, of Teddy Roosevelt books. I do wonder for two books ago, you were kind enough to invite me. Actually, I think I might have crashed your book party, which did have a top shelf open bar. I did not receive an invitation to a book party this time around, Brian. Is that forthcoming? Don't have one right now on the schedule. Okay. All right. Uh, well. I, I 
You know, since the pandemic, it may affect I'm, my Amazon myself, well, let me review. Just get, get started. It may affect my Amazon review of the of the book. <laughs> no book party. Uh, but well, uh, right, you know, what we do when, when you're in the city after you get your rest after working all night, and I get done with uh, my radio show at noon. Um, maybe we 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 do that where I pay, which is key, right. uh, and we exactly. we go get some drinks, and we don't necessarily focus on. My books, but we could just talk about life and how great uh, John Castamatidis is. Well, it, all that sounds great to me, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, this is a wonderful book, and uh, the portions of it I've read, I was so impressed with the research, and uh, I went back and looked through your notes and the footnotes to see if um, you were quoting from any of the Theodore Roosevelt biographies that I'd already read. You quoted from a couple, and then you forced me to create a new list of Theodore Roosevelt books that I didn't know about that I now have to get, and um, embarrassed to admit that I did not know very much about Booker T. Washington until this book, and I've gotten quite an education. So congratulations, and uh, it's uh, I'm really thrilled that you come on each week, but I'm thrilled that you sent me this book. It's really uh, wonderful. Uh, you got it. And by the way, Tweed Roosevelt, who runs the LIU Roosevelt School, the great-grandson of Teddy, was a huge help. He, he When I told him, I said, listen, is there something here? Am I going to get hit with a landmine? And he said, not only is there nothing here, I'll, I can help you with this. And he brought out some obscure, obscure books I didn't even know of wow. that I was able to, to dig out and get. Uh, so well, yeah, uh, this... Tweed, if you, ever, if you ever meet him, he remembers playing at Sagamore Hill as a kid and Teddy Roosevelt's wife, Edith, was alive. Wow. Uh... So he says, that, that's my great-grandfather's house. And then it, that's why he became a historian, because of the stories that he would hear at the table about uh, – Teddy Roosevelt, the president and the guy. Uh, that is phenomenal. Very nice quote from Tweed in the back of the book, right above uh, that other Theodore Roosevelt scholar, Tyrus. Uh, Brian Kilmeade, thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Go get him, Frank. Thank you. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.